I want to greet each one in the name of the Lord, the one who said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. You know, do you count that a blessing this morning to be part of that church? The word prevail means to overcome. And so if you're part of the church of Christ this morning, you will not be overcome. I'm not promising an easy road, but you won't be overcome. <clears throat> this morning in Sunday school class, we, I heard a little bit about eternity and can we comprehend it. And the answer is no, we can't comprehend eternity. And I thought about that a little bit. and thought, you know, there's another thing that is even harder for me to comprehend than eternity is the fact that God always was. That's hard for me to understand. I believe it. But God always was. It's harder, it's easier for me to understand that he always will be. But he always was. So that's the kind of a God we serve. He always was, he always will be. And you know, you and I here this morning, we always will be as well. There's not an end to our being. This morning, for a message, I want to talk about our relationship with God. As was earlier this week, as I was thinking about a message for here, one thing about preaching other churches, you can usually reuse a message, right? It's, it's, I kind of like that. But the Lord had a different message for me today, so I had to start over. That's okay. That's okay. I like it when it works out that way because I know that God has a message for the people of Bethany here. And for me, in studying it, when the Lord laid it on my heart, I thought, well, so relationships are important, but can I make a message out of it? You know, the word relationship is never mentioned in the Bible. Did you know that? The word never shows up in Scripture. But it's implied many, many times in many different ways. It's implied lots of times. So this morning, I want to start out with a question for you. Do you believe that it's important to have a good, solid relationship with the Lord? I think all of us would say yes. I believe this morning that our relationship with God needs to be up to date. And you might ask, well, what's up to date? Well, that's probably a message in itself, keeping it up to date, right? But if we have our relationship with the Lord up to date, our other relationships are going to fall in place a lot better. We live in a society where relationships don't really mean a whole lot. And I believe this morning for a relationship, and I'm going to talk about just any relationship now, but I'll be able this morning for uh, any relationship to, to work, we must be committed. If you're not committed in a relationship, it will fail. A marriage relationship, a business relationship, and your relationship with God. If, it, if you're not committed, it won't work. You know, if you, go, if you enter into a relationship and your thought is, I'm going to be in this until it's, I'm going to be, as long as, it's, as long as it works out well for me. That's how a whole lot of marriages are today anymore. People stay in them until the going gets tough. Then they're ready to bail out. And unfortunately, there's people who do the same with the relationship with God. When something comes along the way that they don't understand or 
It's not fair. Is life fair? Is life fair? Life's not always fair, but it is equal. We all have the same opportunities, okay? Why do you think so many relationships fail? It's because people are not committed. People aren't in it for the long haul. You know, when you gave your life to the Lord, you did not know what all you were going to face. There's no way you knew. There's no way I knew. And there's a good thing we don't know. You had no idea what all was going to come along. And when those things come along, if you're not committed, you're going to bail out. Because you're going to feel like, you know, this is just not fair. I went into the Christian life to have a better life. But you know, I think so many times when things come along in our Christian life that we don't understand, times of testing and trials, that's the times of growth for us. But too many times we don't view it as growth at the time until we look back and then we can view it as growth. And sometimes it takes a long time. But I think there's a lot of people in here who are older than me who could tell a lot of stories about the trials they've been through. And I'm certain if they look back on those trials, they can say it was a growing experience. It was a testing of your faith. The Bible says our faith gets tried. Why? To purify it. You know, if it was just an easy road, I heard somebody say already, if it's easy, anybody would do it. And they weren't referring to the Christian life necessarily, but I think, it, I think it's true in that. You know, when you are a committed Christian, commitment means, if you make a commitment, it means you're in it. You are committed. When you got married, those of you in here who are married this morning, if you got married, you made a commitment. And I believe the thought that day of ever leaving your spouse, that was the furthest thing from your mind. You would never have dreamed such a thing. But why is it that so many marriages fall apart? When the going gets tough, they want to bail out. They think it's not fair, it's just not right. I don't deserve this. I think we need to understand that our walk with the Lord is not always going to be easy because God allows us to be tested. God wants to see what we're made of. See, when we committed the Lord, when we, when we made the commitment to the Lord, we're going to follow Him, God heard that. And God may allow you to be tested above what you think you're able to bear, but it's not. The Bible says that, that God does not allow you to be tempted above that, which you're able, above that which you're able to bear. So just think about that when you're in a time of testing. God will see you through. He will never let you sit. Never. You turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, opening passage. Think on this for a moment. Why did God create man? Why did God create man? I believe this morning, God created man to have a relationship with him. That's why God created man. I'm not going to read the creation story this morning, just picking out a couple of verses, but God created the world. God created everything as we see it. He created the animal kingdom. He created the bird kingdom. And he was happy with everything. He saw that it was good. But there was one thing missing. Genesis 1, chapter... 26 says, and God said, let us make man in our image. God wanted somebody that looks like him. Have you ever wondered what God looks like? Well, I don't know, but the Bible says here that we're creating the image of God. Okay? 
I think God looked somewhat like us. I was having, I was leading a discussion at Boys Club, oh, probably 10 years ago or more, and uh, the oldest class there. And I was, well, I was talking about the creation. I was talking how we're creating the image of God. And I said, so if you want to know what God looks like, look around. He looks somewhat like us. And this one fella, he raised his hand, and he had a question. And he said, I have a little brother, I think it was a brother or sister, a little sibling, that was deformed at birth. And his question was, he said, is he creating God's image too? I said, yes, he is. It was a very, 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 you could see it, the wheels in his mind were turning as he was asking that question. Is my little deformed brother created after the image of God? And I assured him that he was. I thought, I thought, I've thought about it a lot since then. So why did God create man to have a relationship? Let us, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Okay? That's why God, that's why God created man. Chapter 2, verse 7. Chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. See, there's something that we have that's way above the animal kingdom. We have a never-dying soul. An animal, when it dies, it is gone, it is over. That's not the case with us. And see, God will be forever. So will we. God breathed into our being a never-dying soul. So we are so much like God in that factor. I believe that God would spend time with Adam and Eve after the creation there. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden to cool the day. God created man because he wanted a relationship. He wanted a relationship with them. And that's exactly what he was doing. He was walking in the cool of the day. I think about that sometimes. I don't like walking in the evening. I like going for a little walk in the morning. And I think about that sometimes. You know, God would take that time to walk because it's in the evening. But nonetheless, he'd take that time to walk with man. I think that's special. God wants a relationship. And you know, the same kind of relationship that God desired with Adam and Eve is the same kind of relationship he desires with you and I. God wants a walking, talking relationship with you and I this morning. But how do we do that? How do we get there? How do you walk and talk with God? How do you get get to the point where you have a relationship with someone? You get to know them. Okay? You get to know people. That's how you have a relationship. When you're recording your your, uh, future wife or husband, why did you do that? You did that to form a relationship to know if you're... If, if this is the one God has for you, you needed a relationship. You didn't find that out on the first night. The first time you were together, you didn't know that. But you, had a, you, you built a relationship. And see, God wants us to build a relationship with him. We get to know God. How? By reading and studying his word. One thing I can, I can assure you this morning is God knows you. But do you, but do you know God? God knows all about you. But do you know him? 1 John 2, 3 says, And hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. You want to know if somebody knows God or not? Do they keep his commandments? That's an easy way to tell. Somebody says they're Christians, they love God. Uh, you know, I work a, a public job, 
And I'm in around a lot of godless people. And by their lifestyle, it shows that they're godless people. But then they get talking to them. Oh, yeah, they're Christians. Like, hmm, I never noticed. I don't tell them that, but that's what I think. You know, what, what, do you know God? Do you have a relationship with God? If we want to gain knowledge on a certain subject, let's talk about knowing God. If we want to gain knowledge on a certain subject, if I want to learn something about, about a certain, um, whatever it may be, I go to the library where people you can go to the library, you can get books on it, you can study up on it, you can see how this works, where it came from, how it was, how it was made and all that. Or you just go on the internet too. That's what most people do today, right? They just go online and find it. But you can go to the library and, and, and people will go to great lengths to learn about some things. People go to a great lengths to figure out how something was made. Uh, here, quite a while back, I was looking on buying a piece of equipment. I was looking on buying a rock breaker. And so I did some studying online. I checked out this kind, checked out this kind, tried to decide which one I want, okay? I, I want to gain knowledge on it. Well, the way we gain knowledge on God is by reading his word. And I had to think about, am I as zealous in finding out about God as I am about finding out about a piece of equipment? Are, are we that zealous that we want to know what, what, what the Word says? It's not like the one person told me one time, he said, you know, he said, I know as much about God and about the Bible as I'm interested in knowing. He said, because I know that the more I know, the more I'm accountable for. He said, I'm not willing to go there. He said, I'm done learning. Do you think that's going to work? Do you think that's going to work on Judgment Day? I don't think it will. You know, is that, if, if that's all the further his level of accountability went, his commitment only went that deep. Is that, was that your commitment to your wife? That today I married you, I don't want to know any more about you now because it'll work fine if we don't know any more about each other. That's not the way it works. You, you, you gain knowledge. You keep learning. Those of you in here who have been married for many, many years, are you still learning? Are you still learning about your spouse? I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. The Bible says in Philippians 3, 1, that I may know him. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Do you truly know God? Again, back to what's earlier. God knows you, but do you know him? Are you putting forth the time and the effort? And I say that it takes time and it takes effort to learn about things. It takes time and effort to learn about God. It doesn't come natural. Our relationship with God will never go beyond what we're willing to invest in it. Did you ever think about that? Your relationship with God will never go beyond what you're willing to invest in it. So if you come to a point in time where you think you know enough, that's all the more knowledge you're ever going to get from God, of God, unless you're willing to continue learning. If I would ask the older ones in the congregation here today, if you know the Bible in its entirety... You've been reading it for 50, 60, 70 years. A brother told me this morning he's 81 years old. If I would ask him, I think he'd say he's still learning. He does not, he has not exhausted the depth of the word. He has not exhausted that yet. Maybe I'm undermining him. Maybe uh, he can talk to me after the service. But everybody I've ever talked to um, says they're still learning. I've heard the term, I've just scratched the surface. You know, I have a a number of books at home on my bookshelf. 
And I think all of those books I've read one time. I read a book one time and I'm done with it. I'm going to read it again because I know what's in it. I'm not interested in reading again. The Bible, you can read again and again and again. And how many times have you read a passage of Scripture and you might be 50 years old and you say, I've never noticed that before. A new nugget of truth jumps out at you. Something, you've, something's maybe so simple, but you've never seen it before. And you see, I think as we gain knowledge of God, you know, as, 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 as these simple things manifest itself in our, in our hearts, and as we gain knowledge, and then all of a sudden God opens the door for us to gain more knowledge. Okay? See, if God would have poured everything upon you the first day, when you became a Christian, God would have given you all that knowledge. You couldn't handle it anyways. I don't care how smart you think you are. You could not have handled it all the first day. You see, we grow into it. The Christian life is one of growth. You don't have it all the first day. I'm sorry. You don't have it. But we learn as we go. We need to have a relationship with God. An active, vibrant relationship. You know, what are you willing to invest in your relationship with God? Are you willing to invest everything, or do you hold some back? What did God invest in his relationship with you? Everything. God invested not, every, not, not all his resources, okay? But I'm saying God invested everything in his relationship with you that you will need to live the Christian life. He invested everything you need to be victorious. He invested everything you need to make it to glory. That's what God invested in your life and in my life. You know, I think if we can understand that, that God's relationship with us is such as he wants us to have the best life there is. But in order to have the best life there is, sometimes he allows us to go through some times so we can have the best life there is. And again, at that time, we probably don't look, we don't look at it that way and say, God, why am I going through this? And then sometimes as we look back, it might be a couple years later, so you, that was a growing experience for me. But at the time, it doesn't always, it's not always as comfortable. In the life of the children of Israel, God showed his desire to have a relationship with them. You know, he, he told them what was going to happen. He communicated with them through Moses. He, he gave them everything they need to sustain them. You look, at, you look at everything, all their needs they had in their journey God sent them through. They had everything they needed. Did they complain and whine and grumble? Yes, they did. But they had everything they needed. He told them the promised land is theirs. He was willing to give it to them. All he wanted was a vibrant relationship. And they messed it up. They messed it up. God wants a relationship with his people today just like he did then. I believe when someone has a good relationship with God, and we could, we, could, we could apply this to any relationship, but I believe when someone has a good relationship with God, nothing will stop them from serving him. Do you believe that this morning? Is your relationship to such with the Lord that you are committed that nothing will stop you? I'm not saying that you need to verbally make that statement saying nothing will stop me from serving God. It's okay. It's okay if you do or you did. But I'm just saying, are you that committed that in your mind you say, there is nothing that's going to stop me? You know, back when uh, the church was under, what, well, the church is under severe, excuse me, severe persecution today, but you read the martyr's mirror, were those men and women committed? 
I don't think the thought of backing away ever entered their mind. They were in their relationship for the long haul. And is that you and I this morning? Are we in it for the long haul? Or are we in it for what we can get out of it? And if it quits feeling good and being fun, we're out of it. Is that where we are? That's not what they're in it for. They believe God. They believe the word. It was real in their hearts. And they went to the axe, to the stake, to whatever kind of death they faced. And a lot of them were joyful. They had a relationship with God. And they kept that relationship vibrant and up to date. Can we say that this morning? Again, I want to make that statement again. I believe when someone has a good relationship with God, nothing will stop them from serving him. Do we believe that? I want to look at Abraham a little bit this morning. I have a couple Old Testament saints to look at. Uh, Genesis chapter 22, if you want to turn there. Just a few verses. You know the account very well. You know, Abraham was tested. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. He said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And note, there was nothing new for God to talk to Abraham. It happened before, so I'm sure when Abraham heard the voice of God, he wondered, Hmm, what now? Where am I going to travel to next? What does God have in store for me? Well, God had something else in store for him here. He said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Do you think it was hard on Abraham? This was his only son, the son he had prayed so long for, and God is saying, Take him and offer him up. And, you know, I believe this morning that right here, at this moment in Abraham's life, if he would not have had a vibrant relationship with the Lord, he would have threw, it in, threw in the towel right here. Say, God, what do you mean? But I don't think that ever entered Abraham's mind. He understood God. He had a relationship with God. And he understood that he did not know the mind of God. And he understood that God's ways were higher than his. And he understood that when God required something from him, his job was to obey. The Bible says the next morning early he rose and he went on his journey. We're not going to read the account for the sake of time. You know what happened. My, the point for bringing this out is the fact that his relationship is what carried him through. His relationship with God is what kept him going. He didn't understand, yet he continued. You know, as you and I's relationship to such that if we don't understand, we still continue. Do you trust God that far with your life that you're willing to go even though you don't understand? I hope so. I hope so. Because so many times we don't understand. It's not, it's, there's some things that aren't clear to us. But do we have the faith to continue to carry on? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. I believe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a good relationship with God. I think their relationship was up to date, and their relationship carried them through. Daniel 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and well, maybe I should give a little history here. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, verse 1, whose, uh, it was uh, 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. He set it out there where everybody could see it. And he wanted the people to fall down and worship it whenever they heard music playing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no way. 
We serve God. We're not falling down and worshiping anybody else. Okay? They were committed, by the way. They were committed. Did they know the rule? Did they know what was going to happen if they don't? Yes, they knew. Now, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. See the level of respect there? They said, O king, we're not careful. Or like, we want to take great care of what we say here. They They were respectful about it. Okay? If it so be... Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. He will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Okay? If it's his will, if it's God's will to deliver us, he will. But then in verse 17, see, here's the committed part right here. I'm sorry, verse 18. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They were committed. They said, you know, God can deliver us, but if he doesn't, we're not going to worship that stupid golden image out there in the plain. I had a few, I had a few extra. That's, that, my Bible doesn't read that. But I think that's what, they were, that, that's what it's entailing. Again, we know the story. I'm not going to read the rest of the story. They were saved. Their faith saved them. But their relationship with God, again, carried them through. Their relationship was up to date. The next one I'll look at is Daniel. A couple of pages over, Daniel chapter 6. I believe this morning that Daniel had a good relationship with God. Daniel chapter 6, verse 6. Then, the, then these president, <clears throat> presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said to him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors, the princes, the counselors, and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. And by the way, there's a major conspiracy going on here. Okay, These men weren't nearly as committed to the king as what they wanted to look like they were. Okay, They were conspiring against Daniel. Now, O king, established a decree, signed the writing that it not be changed, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he knew it upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he did before time. Daniel had a good relationship with God, and he was not going to, let something as trivial as a dental line stop him. Notice I said trivial, okay? It's easy to say that on this side of it, right? But Daniel, that did not scare him. Did he know that the, did he know the decree was signed? Yes, it did. Verse 10, when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he knew about it. Would it have been wrong this morning for Daniel to close his windows to pray? Would that have been wrong for him to do that? I don't think it would have been. Uh, again, if you disagree, you're welcome to talk about the service. I don't think it would have been a, a sin for Daniel to close his windows to pray. God never said you have the windows open to pray. He never said that. But let's look at let's look at what was happening here. Daniel, he says three times a day he knelt in front of the open window facing Jerusalem and he prayed. 
The decree was signed by a bunch of jealous people, I mean, signed by the king, brought by a bunch of jealous people, and if he would have closed his windows, that would have kind of showed him to be a coward, right? Daniel's level of commitment, his relationship to God was as such as he left his windows open. He said, I'm not afraid. I don't think it would have been wrong, but it definitely showed his character by leaving the windows open. He was not afraid. He had a relationship, and he believed that whatever happened was under God's control. And are you and I this morning, are we that committed that if we face something as trivial as Daniel Lyons, like Daniel did, are we, are we that committed that we say it's in God's control? We'll go. We'll go. Did Daniel know? Do you think Daniel knew when the, when the decree was signed? Do you think Daniel knew he was going to be thrown down the lines and he knew he was going to be saved from it? I don't think he knew. Do you think when Daniel was being loaded into the den of lions, you think he knew God was going to save him? I don't think so. But he had faith. He had a relationship with God. Okay, let's do some reading in the New Testament. <clears throat> John chapter 10, if you want to turn there. And let's look at the kind of relationship that God has for once for us today. By the way, it never changed. God's desire to have a relationship with the human race has never changed from the day he created Adam and Eve to today. We are created by God. We're created for God. We're created to go back to God. By God, for God, to go back to God. That's the very purpose we're created. We are created to bring God glory. That's why God created mankind. God created man, put him in the garden to have dominion over everything. And it was all God's, it's all God's creation. Okay, And that's never changed. God has created us. You were brought into the world by God, and you are created for God. And you, will go, you, you can go back to God. It's up to you. We're created by God, for God, to go back to God. John chapter 10, verse 2. This is the account of Jesus talking about the good shepherd. But he that entered him by the door of the shepherd... Let me start over. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. Does that sound like a relationship to you? Does that sound like a relationship that God has with you today? Do you hear God's voice? Do you know when God's speaking to you? And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Do you know God's voice this morning? You know, I had the privilege of uh, seeing a shepherd one morning leading his sheep. I'd never seen that before. Uh, directly across from Fraser Quarry, there is a, uh, there's some sheep in the pasture there. And I was there in my dump truck probably about two years ago or so. And I saw a man walking. I called him a shepherd. I guess he was. Uh, I saw a man walking out across the field. And here's a sheep in single file, a long line behind him. None of them were trying to pass him up. They weren't trying to get around him. All they did was simply follow him. Of course, my mind went right to this verse. I said, there it is, a perfect picture right there. Are you following in step behind the shepherd? Do you know the shepherd? Do you have a relationship with him? Or when he calls, are you, can you discern the voice of his, can you discern his voice? Do you have that kind of relationship? Verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door, Jesus said. 
Down to verse 9. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. That's why Jesus came. And that's what Jesus wants for you today. Not only to have a life, but have an abundant life. That's what he wants for us. Isn't that wonderful that Jesus wants that kind of relationship with you and I today? To live the abundant life. John 17, turn over a couple pages. You know, when Jesus was here on earth, he had a great concern for the disciples. He had a great concern for his followers. But not only that, he had a great concern for you and I today as well. John 17, verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they may all be one. Look at the relationship here. That they may all be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. The Father and the Son have a great relationship. They're one together. Jesus' prayer was here that we have the same relationship, that we're one with Christ. And that's up to you this morning. I cannot make you one with Christ, but you have the ability yourself to be one with Christ. It's a decision you need to make. See, that's, one of the, that's the blessing of the Christian life. It's so personal. Nobody can do it for you. You must do it on your own. It's a personal decision. Personal salvation. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Notice the relationship. I in them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that hast sent me, has loved them as thou hast loved me. So that's the relationship the Lord wants with you this morning. All one, all together. And in conclusion this morning, one verse out of Luke chapter 12. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's the relationship he has for you. Fear not, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Shall we have a song?